In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, Big week. This is Control Structure, episode 11, for January 30th, 2013. I upset the apple cart, with your hosts, Bayleaf and IO Unit. With your hosts, Andrew Bailey and Christopher Thompson. And now, made of defective hardware. That was completely unexpected. <laughs> well, if God went to college, he would have played video games for the first six days and then just pulled an all-nighter. Hmm. Well, I don't think that's exactly how the story goes. It seemed like it'd be the opposite. <laughs> or, or no, he pulled an all-nighter, and then he created the universe. <laughs> Hey, the universe! <laughs> yep. <sighs> so, I had a pretty good week. Had a major release at my company, and... One of the more smooth ones this time. Not a lot of issues, so... Should be a good three months from here on out. How about you? You have a good week? Uh, yeah. The uh, weekend was relaxing. Uh, mostly got snowed in. Um, almost. Yeah. Uh, like it was snowing kind of bad on Friday. Um, but surprisingly, the drive home Friday evening was pretty quick. Like, if. Uh, you see, I drove past my apartment like 15 or 20 minutes. Um. But uh, I went ahead and went straight to the credit union uh, by my apartment after work because I had checks. So, hmm. payday! Um, and then at the tail end of last week, I started having fun at work. <gasps> you didn't. <laughs> oh, yes, I did. What kind of fun? Like, computer science fun. That's always good. Yeah, uh, working on adding, uh, like an extra field to a, well, not an extra field to a form, uh, just another field, like, behind. Uh, so, like, uh, this object has a creation date, um, but they wanted to have, like, some other kind of date so that they could store the, uh, dates of, like, all the other data from before the system was created. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, so that that was kind of interesting. And uh, 
So like on the platform that I'm using, uh, like date and uh, like the dates and date time attributes uh, uh, do not store the time zone. But when they're printed out on an HTML page, the time zone is applied. So that uh, becomes a problem in that uh, the sites are usually set to like American time, like Eastern or Central time. Uh, whereas the server assumed that these dates are stored in UTC, huh. uh, which is like English time, uh, which presents a rather interesting situation in that, uh, if you have a date of February 1st, uh, that it will show up as January 31st when it gets put out onto the page. Huh. Yes, that is a problem. <laughs> well, you're not the only person who have had issues with the date. So, because because I was logging the screen that the user sends us that there's a problem, and I was logging the times don't match because of the time zone. So ah, so much issues. Yep. Um. So, and then lo and behold, I found out that the, uh, the tag that I used to print the date, uh, onto the page has a time zone attribute. So I just had to hard code in, okay, this date is UTC. <laughs> so hmm. that was a rather easy fix. So, Sounds like it. so yeah, in the fringe, uh, you're asking me, uh, about who was listening to the show. So, as it turns out, only Ryan and uh, Schmidt Troll uh, listens to this podcast, uh, since no one else uh, used the contact form. So. Schmidt Troll? Yeah, we'll talk about him later. All right. <laughs> um, so, even my mom, who listens to this podcast, apparently does not listen to this podcast. That sounds contradicting right there. It does. But, uh, so is logic. So. That is true. And airplane fly over. Huh. Yeah, it's flying away now. But, uh, so, yeah. Squirrel Fondler. Uh, I'm just gonna call him Squirrel from now on since, uh, like, nicknames are supposed to be, like, shorter than the real name that they're replacing. <laughs> So, uh, I heard that Squirrel was, uh, listening to our podcast here, our fine podcast, uh, and, uh, uh, let's see, I, I think he, he, uh, thought our podcast was over because he heard the music. Um, so, yeah, I'm just gonna, like, get it out there, and you... You will know when uh, we end the podcast because it will generally say goodbye and thank you, and I'll say something about backups. FYI, the podcast is not over yet. <laughs> thank you for that warning. So, yep. uh, so have you heard about War Game? I have heard about War Game. Have you heard about War Game Two? Uh. Well, that's I, that's what I thought I was talking about. Yep, it is what you're talking about. So, yeah, it's uh, a 
Java-based benchmark uh, that Ryan made. Uh, so just like download it and run it uh, if you know how to use a command line. Um, so using that, uh, apparently, uh, turns out uh, that my two-year-old Sandy Bridge chip, uh, the 2600, uh, beats Ryan's newer Ivy Bridge 3770K. Mm, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I ran it myself, and I did, I did pretty well. Yeah, you uh, did like a nine point something. Nine, yeah, about nine. Man, I lost it. Nine, nine point one games per second. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just really happy that uh, you know my old chip is still farting along and it beats stuff. Yeah, that's always good. How old is your chip now? Uh, it's two years old now. Because uh, ah. I got it when I was uh, having some graphics card issues. Um, because I had sent the card back to EVGA and got it back, but I was still experiencing the same issue. So it must have been something else in my system that was causing the problem, so I redid my entire system. <laughs> Only to have the same issue. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I got that uh, resolved to everyone's satisfaction. Mm. So it's like, well, now it's fixed. I guess I'll go ahead and keep uh, my new parts. So, um, so yeah, well, and until you uh, ran it on yours, uh, mine was the fastest AMD chip. Uh, my triple core... Uh, Athlon uh, got like 7.12 but I think I updated it further like re-ran it again because uh, the 7.1 I did on my server over SSH so uh, I got like 7.2 okay 7.2354 so Ryan if you're listening got some work to do <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, the interesting thing about my chip is that, uh, uh, some of the Athlon triple cores are really, uh, Phenom quad cores that, uh, had a core disabled, among a few other things. Why? Uh, I guess because, uh, AMD really needed to, like, reach a quota on their triple cores, uh, to make shipments or something. So they took a stronger core and disabled that core. Why not just give that extra core? Oh, here's a bonus feature for buying from us. Well, they don't do it up front. Uh, fortunately, the motherboard makers have discovered this. And, like, there's an option in a lot of uh, BIOSes uh, that you can just flip it and see if that other fourth core is good or not. Hmm. Uh, fortunately, my motherboard has this feature, uh, but when I uh, turned it on, like, I was not able to post. Like, I actually had to take the battery out so the BIOS would reset in order for me to post again. Huh, interesting. So, yeah, inter interesting thing about that. So, uh, yeah, I'm mildly disappointed on that. Well, you had a chance. Yep. 
I was adventurous so, and didn't uh, burn anything down. Oh yeah, that's a good thing. Last week when we were talking about the patent trolls? Uh, yeah. Well, apparently New Egg stood up to him and won. Yay. So, go ahead and buy shit from New Egg. Yes, buy a lot of stuff. Well, don't, don't go into debt. <laughs> well, most importantly. So, uh... Yeah, it uh, turns out that this uh, Sovereign uh, software, or I'm not sure if it's just Sovereign, I guess, um, yeah. was uh, going around to uh, various e-commerce and e-tailers that uh, uh, with uh, like the shopping cart patent, uh, actually like three of them. Um, so Newegg was uh, named as a defendant. Uh, one defendant in among a huge uh, slew of uh, cases filed with uh, these patents. Uh, mm. Like, you know, people like Best Buy and uh, Oracle. Oracle, they decided to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Oracle? Huh. Hmm. Well, they must have had some balls there. Yep. Uh, let's see, uh, Tiger Direct, uh, Zappos.com, JCPenney. So, pretty much any anyone that has uh, a shopping cart on their e-commerce website was uh, potentially at risk here. Hmm. So, uh, uh, apparently Newegg has a, uh, a policy that they... Uh, will stand up to patent trolls and not uh, fold and uh, settle with them out of court. That's good for them, especially after that new law that, uh, that has to hurt them. Uh, which new law? Well, the, the one where... Oh wait, that, that, that was not a new law, that was a petition for a new law. Oh yeah. From last week. Yeah, from the White House there. Yep. Well... Go click that petition button. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, like, apparently Sovereign was asking, like, for two and a half million dollars uh, from Newegg, uh, plus, like, a one percent uh, royalty on, like, all sales. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, now nobody has to pay Sovereign Jack Squat for these patents. 
because they were found invalid. Yep. So. So so what happens to all the other companies that paid up? Uh, I guess they'll figure this out sooner or later, and uh, you know, stop sending checks. I guess. <laughs> Let's hope so. So uh, so yeah, buy from Newegg. Yep. So and you know what you should sell? You should sell Apple. Um, Apple? Really? Even after they posted same record profit as the previous quarter and sold over 5 million iPhone 5 within the first week end? Yeah. So I'm not sure what's going on here because like a lot of companies would kill to sell 5 million product in like the first days. Um, but apparently that wasn't good enough. And uh, in both instances, Apple's stock fell. Like, five million products and their stock falls. They post a record profit, and then they meet that again the next quarter. And still their stock falls. So, uh. like, people are, you know, uh, talking like this is an Apple bubble that we're in. It could very well be they're, they're growing so large so fastly that they may end up collapsing on itself. So, Cause uh, I think somebody did a study and it's like in order for the next five years, in order for them to keep growing and meet their profit, they would have to bring in $1.2 trillion, the same G GDP as Australia. So... So yeah, I'm going to uh, upset the apple cart here and declare that we are now in a post-Apple era. This is, I would back that up. This is January 29th, 2013. I am going on record saying that this is a post-Apple era uh, because their god is dead um, and their stock is falling. And when stock is falling, money gets pulled out of a company. And when mm -hmm. money gets pulled out of stuff, it tends to collapse. Yep. Except for in the United States. They keep pulling more money out of the hole. Hmm. Um, so, uh, so in 20 years, when people look back, they'll point to me and say, Look, people are saying that Apple was over 20 years ago. <laughs> So, <laughs> they will point to me. So. Cool. Well, you may go down in history books. Yeah. So, uh, can you tell me about Simon here? Yeah. Simon said on his blog that he was happy that his iPhone broke. He, he, he dropped his iPhone 4 and instead of immediately buying a new one like most people does, he decided to go without a smartphone for a month. So, looking back, he he was appreciated that he would gotten unplugged from all the Facebook, all the Twitters, all the email, all the messages, all the phone, all Skype, and there's just so many social medias out there. Mm -hmm. And gotten a lot more free time. Yeah. So, uh, Simon here. Uh... He's from Denmark, and he's just a Ruby developer. 
So, uh, see. Mm-hmm. so apparently he went back to his Nokia phone, uh, you know, after deciding to do this. And, uh, you know, he had a few concerns, uh, like especially not having any cameras or uh, no maps and no music. And uh, mm-hmm. he also added on, I have no plans to buy an iPod. So. Huh. Cool. So, yeah, he uh, discovered a few things. Uh, mostly that his concerns were right, but he can live without them. Um, yeah. I guess he likes to be more adventurous not having a map in his pocket. Um, but then he added on that, uh, you know, when traveling, that uh, the data rates are horrible. So, you know, it's okay that he's not using his maps. Hmm. So he has to use this older technology... It's uh, called paper. Have you heard of it? I think I have heard of it. Does yeah. it tear like this? Yeah, that. Yep. So he says that he's uh, doesn't really care for his phone because it his uh, crappy phone doesn't cost hundreds of dollars. Well, he had the Nokia brick. Those things are almost indestructible. Or uh, rather, hundreds of euro, I guess, since he's over in Denmark. Uh, yep. And he says he's actually started calling people. You know, like, you actually have a phone. It's You're supposed to call people. Correct. I'm actually wondering when that technology will be lost in phones. Yeah. You'll no longer call anybody. <laughs> Uh, well, but I, I'm I'm actually thinking once I get rid of my Droid X, I'm no I'm not gonna have a smartphone anymore. I'm rarely on it. Data plans are just ridiculous, and the phones themselves cost too much. Yeah. So, and uh, I still have my uh, crappy LG dumb phone that I had back in college. You remember that thing? I think I do. Yeah. Still have that old phone? I do. Huh. Um, so, wow. And, uh, like Simon here, uh, I only need to charge my phone, like, every weekend or so. Hmm. That's pretty good. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, like, another aspect to this in that smartphones have totally changed how people, like, uh, uh, like walk around town and like use up all their free time and that hardly no one is ever like looking around around them uh, like if, like uh, to uh, like see if they're going to be walking into stuff true you, you know one of the funny things when riding into work is all these Indians live together so they all ride the same bus if they all get off and they're all walking along in a mass, all looking at their cell phones or talking on their cell phones. <laughs> they're being controlled by robots. Yeah, it's it's kind of disturbing how you know people have evolved into cyborgs because of their smartphones. Um, yep. And uh, when I went to Knoxville, uh, let's see, I was going to there. Um, I believe it was the trip from Newark to Knoxville. Um, my second flight in that, uh, let's see, I, uh, eventually managed to get up like the very first seat in the plane. Uh, this was a very small plane, so it wasn't first class. 
Um, okay. So, uh, like, I don't want uh, people to be, like, sitting in the bulkhead area when they take off. Uh, so both me and the guy sitting behind me, uh, like, we were asked to go all the way in the back of the plane. So, like, I'm sitting next to this guy, and he was... I'm not sure if it was an email or what, but this douchebag would not stop using his BlackBerry. Like, even after, he was like, please shut off all electronic devices. Like, <laughs> we were on the runway before he finally turned it off. Wow. So, I mean, this, uh, you know, Newark is, like, right next door to New York City. So, like... I guess it's more common there, maybe. Hmm. So, because, uh, like, New Yorkers are kind of impervious to what's going on around them anyway. Like, even yeah. well before smartphones came along. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of, uh, uh, phones and stuff, um... Let's see, Ubuntu considers a rolling release model uh, for their desktop distribution. Um, like, so instead of, like, releasing every six months like they do now, um, like, they're going to just, like, be constantly releasing stuff. Hmm. Um, sort of like uh, what I believe it's Arch Linux does. Um, I'm, I've only heard and research about it. I haven't actually used Arch. Um, but the, uh, click I ran with in the .NET class did. Yep. So. So they'll, so they'll be releasing every two years now? Uh, well, the, uh, long-term, uh, big, uh, releases, like, uh, that's supposed okay. to be stable, like, for servers and stuff. Those will be every two years? As they are now. Hmm. Cool. So... I heard that Ubuntu is uh, also designing a phone. I have heard that, too. So, uh, can you tell me some of the features on that? Um, not that much, besides the terminal application will be able to emit the Linux terminal. Oh, me, so myself, I'm not a big Linux person, so you might be a better suited person for this. So, you mean, like, no other phones have a command line terminal on them? That's kind of bad. But, uh, yeah, looks like you'll be able to do, uh, cool stuff with a Ubuntu phone. Can, can we play NetHack? Uh, well, I think the controls might be a little weird, but I suppose one could. Hmm. Although you'd probably, you know, make a more of a proper app than running it in a terminal, though. Correct. So, hey, you remember the ITU? ITU, I do not. Yeah, like there were the like apparently there are a bunch of barbarians that are trying to destroy the internet. Hmm. So apparently they have approved uh, H.264's successor. Um. Uh, let's see, H.264 being the uh, pretty much the standard format for high-definition video. Um, cool. Uh, surprise, uh, the successor, H.265, H H.E.V.C., uh, uh, which stands for High Efficiency Video Encoding. 
Huh, about time. So, uh, yeah. So, so now they'll be able to push more with less. Yeah, so uh, apparently the same quality uh, video can be pushed in half the uh, bandwidth. I want to see how they do that. Well, research, I guess. Yeah, because I mean, to, to, to be able to push the same quality with half the data points means a really, really good algorithm. Yeah, and uh, so... Uh, this has happened with audio several times now. Uh, so, you know MP3s? Yeah. So, MP3 is really old. Like, 1980s old. So, and then have you heard of AAC? I did come across that as a saving format, but I haven't ever touched it. So, apparently AAC is what iTunes and Apple uses. And uh, that uh, increases the efficiency of uh, audio coding. So, and uh, let's see, AAC was, I think, late 90s or so. And no doubt that people would be working on, you know, yet further improved audio codecs. So it's not surprising that they're doing this to video as well. Mm -hmm. Especially with YouTube, Netflix, other big popular... Video right. being transmitted. So, and um, people are kind of excited about this, uh, especially uh, when using a 4K, uh, <laughs> like the next uh, high definition or something. Um, unfortunately, even if you're using H.265, you'll need twice the bandwidth of current uh, 1080p on H.264. Hmm. 4K is next. Yep. Did did they skip 2K because it was already trademarked? Um, or because of Y2K. And remember all the excitement about that and it didn't happen? Yep. Um, but... So, uh, the, have, have you heard about the... Um, it's, I think it's 2036? Yeah, the uh, Unix, Unix problem? Yep. That'll be fun of... And especially since we'll be around to actually see it happen. Yeah. It's a uh, should and I, be... And I, think, and I think we'll be right around retiring age, so... Well, why retire? We'd probably be uh, highly paid consultants uh, to uh, fix all that crap. Nah, we would just manage the people who fix that crap. Or that. Um, so... Anyways, uh, 4K uh, represents the horizontal uh, resolution rather than the vertical resolution that 1080p represents. So it's measuring, we're now measuring the long dimension instead of the short one. Huh. So Interesting. I guess, I guess uh, marketers smoking whatever marketers smoke uh, decided that they'd rather have the bigger number. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, you heard about THQ? I have heard THQ, and I have some concerns about it. From my understanding, they have now been divided and sold off into different bits and games. 
So. Yep. So even though this isn't a gaming podcast, uh, it's still in the uh, information technology world. Uh, Correct. And and we both are gamers, so. Yes, and we are both fans of uh, THQ properties. Correct. Or at least the Sega games. has purchased Relic. Koch Media purchased Balletin and Metro. Crytek's gotten Homefront, Take Two, gotten Evolve, and Ubisoft has gotten Montreal and South Park. Yeah, Ubisoft. Uh, yeah, bought their the uh, THQ studio up there. And, uh, which is sort of ironic in that, uh, like, Ubisoft is also big in Montreal. And, uh, some guy, uh, rather publicly, uh, like, quit, uh, Ubisoft and went to THQ. Um, uh, which was, like, I guess across town or something. And then now Ubisoft has bought him back. So, so yeah, Karma just really wanted to mess with him. <laughs> I wonder what he did in a previous life. Yeah. So, it's like, well, you can't really run from your, uh, uh, your nemesis. Yep. So, uh, though, so. Though I wonder what this means with the Steam games. Oh, uh, well, I guess they'll just... We keep on selling. I mean, somebody owns those games, so... Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if they'd still be labeled as THQ games or not. Mm. But... Well, I'm glad I bought that pack. Yeah. I I was really close to buying that, but, uh, you know, I have all these other games instead. And, yeah. And uh, no doubt uh, that they'd be even cheaper... If I had, uh, you know, waited a little longer, so. Mm hmm. Well, I am going to try to go this year without buying more than a hundred dollars worth of games. That is my personal goal for this year. Ah, uh, guess we'll, uh, you know, figure out next January if you did. Um. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, see, then Crytek uh, has purchased the Homefront IP for only about half a million dollars. Yeah, I was pretty shocked at that number. Yeah, so uh, if if you're unfamiliar, Homefront is a game where North Korea invades America, um, which uh, I guess would go along great with uh, Crytek because they've already uh, done a game with North Koreans in it. Uh, in mm -hmm. fact, two or three or so, uh, depending on how many Crisis 1 games you count. <laughs> That was an awesome game. So, um, I, I think they also made a... There was a movie about Koreans invading America also. Hmm. Maybe. I'll have, so. I'll have to see if I can find it and... So, uh, let's see. Another black hole in all this auctioning is uh, no one uh, bought Darksiders. Well, I don't really blame them. So... Uh, have you actually played the games? Uh, I think I have it installed, but I haven't actually fired it up yet. So. Well, it's, quick summary, it's basically a hack and slash game where you just mash the buttons. 
Yeah, and I heard that two was uh, more like Prince of Persia, in that you, uh, you know, like especially in the parkour, like you uh, glide around walls and stuff. I have heard that too. So so and uh, so Crytek purchased, uh, I think it's Vigil Games, uh, which were the developers of uh, of uh, let's see, not Homefront, uh, Darksiders, and. Uh, Apparently, Crytek has no interest in buying the Darksiders IP. Hmm. Uh, on, on the other hand, Crytek finally has an American studio. <laughs> but that hasn't stopped uh, them from making a game where uh, New York is in ruins. <laughs> yep. I don't know why most... Whatever country makes the game, they always choose their capital city to be destroyed. Yeah. Why? Well, Crytek has a bunch of Germans, so... Uh, Go figure. Yep. Well, interesting. So THQ is being dissolved. Yep. So Thanks for all the good memories. Yep, I uh, also wrote a blog post about it. And uh, also some speculation on the uh, future of uh, game publishers. So, mm. I'll be sure and go ahead and put that in the notes. Yep, please do. I wonder if there's any THQ posters out there. I don't know. I kind of like their uh, older logo better. Yeah. Like their uh, italicized one rather than their uh, circle with the Q. Correct. Um, anyways, uh... Have you heard about CNET? Yes, I have, as we talked about it in a previous one. Seems like the CBS is refusing to budge on the no-review policy, sending the morale at CNET plummeting down the tube. Yeah. So, uh, apparently CBS is uh, in a lawsuit uh, with uh, Hopper. Uh, at least with uh, Dish over Hopper, which is, a, I think it's an automatic uh, advertising skipper thing. Correct. So, and, uh, let's see, I think they're also uh, in in uh, litigation with Areo. Uh, I think that's somewhere in this article here. But... Yep, uh, that- Apparently, CBS is saying that you can't say anything positive up about this about these things. Hmm. So, I mean, CNET really wants to, uh, you know, really award these, uh, you know, new technologies, but CBS is kind of like pissing on that. Uh, I I can see a little bit why because no commercial means less profit. Yeah. So, so forcing them to say, not even talk about it is, I think, going against the First Amendment, freedom of speech. Uh, well, it goes, against again, the, goes against the idea of that, but... Uh, yeah, but it's then not, again, it is a company. Yes, it's not the government, so... Correct. So, hmm. yeah, it looks like uh, CNET might uh, go the way of THQ. Ah, well, things rise and falls. 
Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if in a few if in a few months we're talking about Apple. <laughs> well, I did upset the Apple cart. Yep. And who knows? Microsoft might bail Apple out again. <laughs> so, well, all that Apple really needs to do is, uh, you know, not release an iPhone or an iPad for like a year or two. Well, and then, I think of I think eventually people will get tired of that. So, so yeah, like they're releasing like two of them within like a year or something. Yeah. So, like, if they get off the upgrade treadmill, then when they do release the next version, like, everyone will have to jump on it. Mm-hmm. So, I have a question about the upgrading, because most the contract providers I at least go with have a two-year contract. That means every two years I would get the fourth edition, so to speak. So, well... So... It's it just seems more costlier just getting always having the new newest gadgets and stuff. Yep. So, but this isn't the gadget show. Yep, it's not the gadget show. But have you heard about BitTorrent? I have. There's been much ado about BitTorrent in the past few years. Yes, there has been. So. Namely, Sync. Oh, is this a new thing? Yes, this is a new thing, a completely new synchronization tool to compete with Dropbox and iCloud on storing on the cloud. So, so if you ask me, they should just skip the cloud and go straight to space. <laughs> well, I'm not sure how the topography of space would be conductive to, uh, to uh, file storage. Yeah. I mean, I hear there's, like, radiation and black holes and stuff out there. And not to mention the sun's electrical solar discharge. Yep. Radiation, that. So, so yeah, it looks like this sink, uh, you know, essentially allows you to store files in a uh, personal cloud. So, uh, like, it looks like... Peer-to-peer technology... Yep. Um, so apparently it's in alpha uh, version right now, and uh, I guess they're testing it. Um, so yeah, I found BitTorrent to be a relatively useful thing for uh, transferring files from Ohio to Utah. So, because uh, back when I was in college, uh, see, I don't think I've told anyone else on the network about this, but... I listened to Prairie Home Companion. Uh, you know that one show that that old guy does, like downtown St. Paul? Yeah, I listened to that. Hmm. And it doesn't ring a bell. Well, I think I might have told you about it. But, and uh, I, if you did, I forgot. <laughs> then again, I didn't really listen to much of anything you said in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you kept on listening to, what is that, Lucky Star or something? Lucky Star, yep. The same one and a half minute. It's still in my playlist. Does drop down to about sevenths now. Oh, so uh, anyways, uh, the uh, computer uh, back home, like parents' computer, uh, would automatically uh, listen to a radio station in Texas to record it. 
simply because it was like the highest bitrate uh, streaming that I could find. Hmm. So, uh, like, after a few months, like, there was a lot of stuff, so I wanted to uh, transfer it. So I basically stepped mom through the process of how to make a BitTorrent file, and then she sent it to me, and then I would run it in uh, Utah, and, like, after a couple of days, it was uh, transferred over. Hmm, cool. And you got your mom to do this? Yeah. Um, eventually I set up, like, a remote desktop so I could do it myself. Okay. So huh. it was, it was sort of useful for getting around the handful of websites that Newmont blocked. Yeah, I, if I remember correctly, 4chan blocked Newmont at one point. Did you hear about that? No, you, you, you mean the other way, Newmont blocked 4chan. Possibly, yeah. But I don't really care about 4chan. Yep, neither do I. It's like the dirty back alley of the internet. It is the dirty back alley of the internet. So, you know, like, uh, you get mugged back there. (laughs) Yep, there's there's a lot of funny pictures about people asking for insight and... 4chan just throwing him down the tube. Yeah. So, um, speaking of who got mugged, uh, or would have been mugged, uh, like, uh, Aaron. Uh, so you remember, uh, Aaron Schwartz? I do. He's the guy who believed in free knowledge, if I'm correctly. Yeah, so Lessig, uh, his uh, professor friend, I will be giving a lecture about Aaron's Law on February 19th, and it will be webcast. Ooh. We'll definitely have to listen in on that. So, um, no doubt uh, this will be uh, recorded and posted, like, soon after it happens. Yep. So... Well, if he's up in heaven or down below, he's definitely changing the world. Yeah. So, unfortunately, martyrdom does work. So. Yep. So, uh, yeah, some people would say that uh, liberation of knowledge would be terrorism. Uh, well, apparently the European Union uh, wants a report this site as terrorism button in every browser. Huh. I, I, I could see that. That being somewhat good, but I can also see it being somewhat bad. Yeah. Because could, could, could you have the extremists... Well, okay, I'll get to the point later, but yeah. Uh, regarding this, the European-funded Clean It project has just finished wrapping up, and the so, solution? Put a button on the web browsers. So, yeah, this has so many problems, like... Hardly even worth pursuing. Correct. And and did you also see the note that they made all the uh, providers put in their contracts? Uh, I don't think so. It's it. It'll um, companies clearly state in their terms and conditions that they will not tolerate terrorist use of the internet on their platforms. And how they define terrorism. Mm-hmm. This is required for all the internet companies in 
and EU. In and, the European. Yeah, and I and I imagine pretty much every ISP in America as well. So, I mean, mm-hmm. pretty much every residential uh, service uh, says like you should you uh, cannot run servers of any kind. Yeah, which would explain why my I can't run my server. So, but you know, don't tell Verizon that. Shh. <laughs> yep. So and uh, um, let's see. Apparently, Comcast uh, back in Utah and apparently here in Pittsburgh uh, don't really mind either. Hmm. Go figure. So but- yeah, this brings me to a, a secondary point, uh, like contrasting American and uh, European tech policy. So, like especially like uh, back around two thousand and stuff, uh, and. It's like especially all throughout the '90s, that uh, like people in Europe were uh, like actually understood technology and in the fact that you know we should be paying attention to this stuff. It's going to change the world. Um, whereas everyone in America is like, "Internet? What's that? Email? Like, what are you talking about?" Um, and then uh, like even during the dot com boom, like you know, uh, so. I'm wondering what happened uh, in that, you know, Europe and, you know, elected these leaders that knew about technology, whereas, like, uh, whereas, you know, many congressmen over in America got elected because they wanted to continue agricultural subsidies or some stuff. Hmm. Um, And we eventually got a Congress that's full of old, corrupt, wannabe Plutarchs that tried to pull (laughs) a SOPA on us. Thank God that didn't happen. Yep. Well, but then I think we are getting some younger, younger people in there now. Yep. And uh, uh, let's say then, uh, but then Europe comes up with you know stuff like this clean it project and hmm. the browser ballot. Well, the 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 clean it isn't exactly new idea within the. EU because for for instance the the French judge ruled that Twitter must identify anti-Semitic users and create a flagging system for users to post such notes. Yeah, France is crazy. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Then, uh, have you have you heard about the uh, browser ballot? I can't say I have. I think so, I saw that somewhere. So over in Europe, when you get uh, like an OEM machine, uh, like you go to Walmart or whatever they have over there and buy a computer, like a Dell or something, uh, and then you turn it on, uh, one of the things that asks you up front is what browser do you want to use? Hmm. Like Microsoft is like legally obligated to do that. Um, oh, yeah, I think I remember reading about this back in college. Yeah, so, uh, like, I read further into this, and apparently uh, Opera, uh, which is based in Norway, um, you know, that one browser that uh, Squirrel uses? Yep. So, 
apparently they complained uh, to the EU government about this, and it was in maybe 2005 or something. I guess they were sort of irate that everyone else, everyone else's browser was more popular. Um, <laughs> never mind the fact that you had to actually pay for Opera for the longest time. So that was, uh, you know, I guess that might have, you know, had something to do with, you know, the fact that no one, hardly anyone uses Opera. Uh, so, uh, except school. Yeah. And I use it if I want to be ironic. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's weird. Um, and I think there's another thing on that, too. Uh, so, yeah, like, they forced Microsoft to, you know, display this ballot thing. And, uh, like, apparently when Service Pack 1 for Windows 7 came out, it disabled it. Until they found it, like, a few months later that it didn't work anymore. <laughs> um, so, like, if I were Microsoft, um, and, like, this came up, like, you know, I should have been, okay, I guess we're not going to sell our product over there, so, you know, goodbye. <laughs> hmm. So, like, all of a well, sudden, all of a sudden there would be, like, no, uh, well, I wouldn't say no Windows. They do have Pirate Bay over there. Like, <laughs> Windows would, like, you know, most people wouldn't use Windows in Europe anymore. Well, well what's the most common use of IE in America? Uh, well, I was uh, wondering that myself, but uh, it used to be good for downloading other browsers. Yes, it is. But not so much anymore. You don't say. Yep, we'll come to that point a little bit later. So, speaking about tech policy, uh, as of last Friday, or Saturday, rather, uh, as of last Saturday, um, it is now illegal to unlock your cell phone uh, in order to make it uh, portable from carrier to carrier. Really? Illegal? Yes. Um, what, what, are the, what are the punishment? Um, I guess, like, a fine or something. I'm not exactly sure what the punishments in the uh, DMCA are. Hmm. So, how how exactly are they going to go about? Are they going to... Okay, so give me your phone. I need to check to make sure it's not unlocked. <laughs> well, that would be grossly inefficient. I guess they'd go after people who, uh, like, sell products that would do this. Hmm. So... Sounds... Sounds about right. So, yeah, uh, apparently the librarian librarian of Congress uh, decided that this should be an exception a few years ago. Um, but that expired. Hmm. So, well, if I recall correctly, there's a new petition to make it legal again. There is. So, yeah, not only do they try to pull a SOPA, they, you know, pulled this crap. I'm not surprised. So, speaking of other browsers, um, how well do you value privacy in a web browser? Um, pretty well. You mean pretty highly? So, um... Yeah, I guess pretty highly would be the term I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... Apparently, Mozilla has been recognized as the most trusted internet company for privacy. 
Huh. Really, I thought it would have been IE. Hmm. But... Then again, uh, Mozilla is a non-profit, so they're not exactly looking to gather people's data. Correct. Huh. Uh, who, let's see. who came in second? Uh, let's see. See, this was a study performed by Ponmon Institute. Um, let's see. Um, let's see. Apparently, they uh, they had uh, ranked it across a lot of uh, industries. Um, apparently, Mozilla was number twenty. I'm not exactly sure what in the world the twenty means. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. E- eBay came in ninth, if that's how I'm reading it. Yeah. American Express is first, then yeah. HP, Amazon, and IBM. Hold on. U.S. Postal Service came in fourth. Hmm. So, tied. Yes, tied with IBM. So a government system came in fourth. <laughs> That's weird. Yep. So. And, and and Vista, <laughs> well, not Vista, Visa, came in 18th. Hmm. So, well, it was better than AT&T. Yep. Verizon was number 11. Huh. So, so yeah, the biggest problem about Verizon Fios is Verizon. Yep. Uh, Weight Watchers. Number 14. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> They'll help you lose weight, but they won't tell you who, you, what your weight is to other people. Yep. <laughs> uh, There's a few companies on here I didn't even know that had either the information. Johnson & Johnson. Shampoos. Yeah, just general, uh, you know, household products, along with Procter & Gamble, number six. Uh, oh, yeah, speaking of the uh, U.S. Postal Service, um, you know, like all those people who are very distrustful of government and, like, claim that Obama's going to transform us into, like, a Muslim republic or some crap? Yeah. Um, like, I'm surprised there's no outcry that the government runs the mail system. <laughs> I mean... I guess they have no problem uh, with, you know, the government delivering their mail, but they're so angry at government and what they are supposedly doing. Hmm. So, yeah, food for thought. Yes, food for thought indeed. So, uh, you remember Python? I do remember Python. You said it was a great beginning language. It what is. else do you have for us? So, someone has gone out and uh, written a Python implementation in JavaScript uh, so that you can now write uh, Python on your web pages instead of JavaScript. Huh, interesting. So, uh, uh, the demonstration here shows a clock, and it seems to be running pretty smoothly. Yep. Well, what's the name of this? It's called Python. Python? Mm-hmm. And it has uh has it in fancy uh 
like Irish medieval text. Yeah. Huh. Python. Like uh Holy Grail style. Uh-huh. So huh. if, so if you cool. view if you view source on this, you can actually see that it is Python. That is really cool. So, uh, so you remember now, that? Now you, now you can do everything with Python. Yeah. So uh, maybe you can use that in that one browser you hate. You mean IE? Uh, yeah, I think so. So that, uh, that one browser that you love to hate uh, continues its campaign. And uh, it uh, takes us on a nostalgia trip. So I'm going to, uh, unlike the Gadget Show, uh, we're only going to play videos with some sort of voiceover, uh, which uh, this is a video with a voiceover, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and play that right now. You might not remember us, but we met in the 90s. We are members of Generation Y, as in Yin Yang, Yo-Yo. Life moved a little slower. Disks were square. Desktop folders had personality. Extra storage space was just a zipper away. There is only one social network, but most of your friends died of dysentery. The only thing buzzing in your pocket was a pet. Until that died too. But at least a troll was still a friend. Lunch was a puzzle, not a picture. You were pumping jams, water, shoes. You didn't have to worry about a news feed full of farm animals. You were busy feeding wild animals. A haircut didn't cost $60. It cost four minutes. You really had nothing to lose. Unless, of course, you were playing for keeps. The future was bright. You grew up. So did we. Uh, no Skype, I do not have a lot of background noise. Whoa, did Skype really ask you that? Yeah, it gave, uh, gave a little notice, like, about ten seconds before that ended. Huh. Oh, you didn't have to wait for the buffer. Well, because I had already downloaded it. Hmm. So, yeah, that's, you know, pretty much a nostalgia trip, uh, for, you know, those of us our age. Hmm, yep. So, yep, I remember uh, rocking a 486 with Netscape and a 14.4K modem. 14.K? 14.4. So. Well, the lowest I ever remember was 26.4. Hmm. So, yep, yep. uh, 256 colors, man. And not all of them web safe. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, 
Let's see. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Microsoft has not released IE 10 for Windows 7 yet, uh, but I think it might actually be in beta right now. Um, Wait, however, Windows 7? What about Windows 8? Oh, it's already out for Windows 8. In huh. fact, in fact, uh, it shipped with Windows 8. Um, so uh, apparently the beta on Windows 7, I hear, uh, wipes out your previous Internet Explorer. So, so I'm sort of hmm. cautious about that. Otherwise, I'd probably give it a spin. But it, uh, it, it, it writes out your previous. Yeah, it overwrites it. Like if you're using Motherwell, it overwrites that. No, uh, if you're using IE nine, oh, okay. it'll you can only use IE ten, that beta. So, okay. but as it is, IE nine is okay. Um, but I'd still rather have another browser. Yep. So. Well, speaking of the 90s and around there, do you remember the Duck Hunt game? Very faintly. I don't think I played it too much. But, hmm. uh, so, yeah, that you had that neat little gun thing. Yep. Called Way the... before it's time. Yep, the zapper. So, uh, if you've ever wondered how that thing worked, uh, here's an article explaining it. Um, mm -hmm. So, when uh, you point at a duck on the screen and pull the trigger, uh, the console blacks out the screen, and uh, the zapper begins to detect stuff. And when it detects the flash in the uh, white block around the target, you're supposed to be shooting that. That counts as a hit. Hmm. So, interesting. So, and I guess it does some other things with it. So, like, you can't, can't just be pointing the thing at a light and have it hit. Correct. The older ones you could do that with. So. Yep. Huh, I've also, always wondered how that worked. Yep. So, um... Like, I've also uh, heard of a, let's see, it might not be like a zapper thing, but uh, like maybe a pen on a screen that, uh, like on a CRT, you know how it scans the picture? Correct. So, um, like it would, uh, like you'd have to hold the pen up to the screen and like press the button on it, and then it would detect the scan on the screen, so it would tell... Uh, it would be like in sync, like it would be scanning this row, like uh, like a quarter of the way through or something, so that it would, that's how it would tell where it would be pointing at. Huh. That's interesting. Yep. <laughs> so speaking of game consoles, um, it looks like uh, the Orbis, uh, that is the future PlayStation Four, supposedly. Um, some specs have been released on that. Huh. And they're, uh, fairly similar to, uh, the Durango, the next Xbox spec. Yep. 8 gigabytes of RAM, 2.2 gigabytes video memory. The CPU... Is an AMD. Four, four dual cores, bulldozers... <laughs> So that that would total eight cores, uh, yep. which I believe is the same as uh, the Durango. 
Correct. So, so all, all in all, the specs look the same across both systems. Uh, pretty much. Um, I don't think, uh, uh, let's see, the the Orbis here says it will be using an AMD uh, GPU, um, mm. as well as an AMD CPU. But I don't think the Durango specs leaked the manufacturer's um, it just said X64 or something. Correct. That, that's all I remember. Yep. Huh? Well, It'll be interesting to see when these two game consoles come out, if they're going to come out at the same time. Yeah, because it looks like they're uh, pretty equal specs, um, unless Microsoft decides to go with an Intel uh, CPU, uh, which means it'll probably be much, much faster than the PS4. <laughs> uh, speaking of all this game, it reminds me of one of the old loading ready runs with the new Xbox 360 that came out. It's leaking! <laughs> it's not supposed to leak! <laughs> Dude, I know, do you know if the Xbox 720 is going to have a leaking feature? No, I didn't. No, I'm asking if it does, not that it does. Well, you know, the Dreamcast was liquid cooled. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, and people, uh, have, people actually have modded their consoles to use water cooling, so... Interesting. Well, it'll be interesting to see what the PS4 controller looks like. Yeah, this uh, article also has... Uh, a proposed uh, controller as well. Mm-hmm. The, the only problem I find with having a controller, you, you, you have to support it with two fingers, so you're only left to play with three fingers on each hand. Or rather, two thumbs. Correct. Mostly thumbs. Yep. Which, so, is, which is a reason so, I like PC gaming, because you get to use your fingers a lot more. You get to use your entire keyboard. Well, yep. at least, well, half of it or so. Yeah, I guess that's true. I need to redefine a lot of my short keys. Go have them. Short key one, one, short key two, two, over the entire keyboard. <laughs> so, and I also like uh, five button uh, mouses uh, because of the thumb buttons. Uh huh. So. Though I, f- I find with I tried that once, I kept accidentally hitting the thumb button because apparently when I'm gaming, I squeeze my mouth. Hmm. Well. Uh. So uh, you remember Java? I do remember Java, and according to Norton, there was the high security mode that was flawed. Yeah, so Java has this high security mode, I guess, mostly for uh, browser pub- plugins um, that apparently only signed code can be executed. Uh, but apparently that's flawed and it can be easily bypassed in uh, several ways. Uh, so, like in the Java control panel settings, that uh, there's like a few security-related things you can do. Uh, but apparently in all setting configurations that it can be bypassed. Hmm, interesting. So, 
Um, I I like uh, uh, my water fox, and that's you know I use uh, the no script, and uh, you know not only am I judicious in only allowing certain JavaScript to run, it also does plugins as well. So huh, interesting. So yeah, like I actually have to click on the box where it would be. And then, like, a prompt will come up saying, hey, this is a Java applet or Flash plugin or something. Like, do you want to allow this? And I'm like, yeah. So. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yep. So, uh, LibreOffice, uh, if you if you can remember that, uh, formerly OpenOffice.org. Ah, okay. Uh, that split off, uh... Let's see, when Oracle decided to, you know, make everyone mad, um, LibreOffice is going to be releasing version 4.0 sometime next week. And uh, it looks like it's going to uh, be a massive redo of the underlying API. Hmm. Interesting. In any particular reason why they're doing that? Uh, mostly to uh, differentiate themselves. Uh, and uh, clean up the uh, underlying uh, system, and it looks like they're going to like be redoing the UI. Hmm. So. Well, I might look into it. Yeah, I'll definitely be uh, downloading that, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's on purpose or not. But my laptop at work does not have Word on it. Or really? Or any Microsoft Office? Huh. Uh, my- app. My, my, the company I work at is everything Microsoft. Yep, I've been in plenty of those companies. Yep, which is kind of nice because I was able to buy the Office Office 2010 Professional Edition for nine ninety five. Yeah, my uh, first job. Uh, let's see, it's now maybe two years ago. Uh, that's, there was a deal like that as well. I think I got, like, the Professional Plus, uh, of 2010 for, like, 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, you know, why would you need this? But then I'm like, well, if you're gonna use, you know, go around to another job, like, Word is pretty much standard. Like, every, uh, uh, every recruiter out there wants your resume to be in Word format. Correct. So, if $10 guarantees that your resume looks the way you want it to, $10 it is. Yep, it... Huh. It's, yeah, it's really, really good. So, and, like, mm. I... It's once in a blue moon that I ever, uh, you know, fire it up. <laughs> so... I think you fire it up more than I do. Yep. Um, at least at home. Uh, at work, it was another story. Correct. Um, except for this job, we all use Google Docs. Google, okay. So, um, have have you heard of the README development driven? So yeah, let's see how many driven development things there are. Well, there's test driven, uh, feature driven, business driven, data driven, quality driven, model driven. Um, driven, driven. <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> Car driven. <laughs> Airplane I, driven. 
Let's see, we got uh, README-driven development now, uh, which uh, seems pretty interesting in that uh, the first thing that you commit to a repository is like essentially just a little document saying this is what this program's going to do. Um, but it's not uh, like an entire uh, like mountain of specification document. Uh, mm. You know, it's just maybe a kilobyte that you can read in like two minutes. So, so, so pretty much like a comment section on what you're doing. Yeah, for like the entire thing. Huh. All right. So, so, so let me get this straight. The README driven is just a README document that you put it out there first instead of last. Pretty much. So, what's the specification for actually doing the in between stuff? Well, that's what the code is for. Um, you know, stuff like Java doc, XML doc, what have you. Um, mm. so this, you know, just have a, you know, little thing, like, especially for like small personal projects. Um, you know, just have a little document that says, you know, here are the features. This is what this program is for. So, I could see, I could see that being done for a small project. I can't see a company. A big company actually using this for their flagship. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, like a compromise between uh, Waterfall and Agile, in that uh, you know Agile pretty much has no documentation, um, mm -hmm. like outside of code. Um, whereas Waterfall, you get a mountain of you know specification, uh, you know like reams and reams of detail that it's all the wrong detail. <laughs> so, you know, uh, README is supposedly, uh, you know, like user best judgment. So, you know, sort of like a checklist of features, like a really small thing. So, hmm. I'll have to try that sometime. Yep. Well, it doesn't sound that hard to do. So, um... Although, I don't think that XBMC uh, will try to do this. Um, the Xbox Media Center, um, formerly, uh, now XBMC, uh, has released version 12, uh, codenamed Frodo. Uh, it now has support for Raspberry Pis and uh, preliminary support for Androids. Huh. That's really cool. Yeah. Hmm. So... Like, uh, and especially like Raspberry Pis, I think that there was already some port out there, uh, specifically for Raspberry Pis and XBMC. But, uh, now they're supposedly making it official, and I guess it works rather well. That's cool. Speaking of Raspberry Pi, I did find an article that Google has donated 15,000 Raspberry Pi to UK schools to get kids coding. Oh, how nice of them. Yes. So, with, with any luck, we'll see some new f software developers. But kids are. But we could be very well their bosses by the time they actually get out into the industry. Yeah. So, and uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you know... It seems like the Raspberry Pi is, you know, sort of our gadget that, you know, 
always seems to talk about quite a bit. And, mm-hmm. you know... I, I'm going to have to get me one. I thought about getting one, uh, another airplane. Um, I thought about getting one, but, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what I'd be using it for. It'd be a... That's- It'd Neither be, do I. It, it's a solution in search of a problem. <laughs> uh, largely. Although I could... The only thing that I would really try to use it for would be that uh, PowerPoint at church. Hmm. Well, so, it's interesting. Yeah, because right now we have to lug out a... Like a 10-year-old laptop. Uh, you know, plug it in... And, like, actually stand there, punch in a password, uh, wait for LibreOffice to open up, and then, after it's all loaded, hit F5. Um, and even then, like, some of the transitions on the slides are kind of jerky. Hmm. So. I, I, I could see that. I could see that being useful. Yeah. Especially since Raspberry Pis don't cost that much. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Um, then you have to like uh, you know get a charger and perhaps a case, um, maybe an HDMI cable, and you know of course uh, like probably an SD card. <laughs> so, you know there's you know plenty of more cost to it than just the board itself. Correct. Um, but then you know pretty much all you need to do is you know uh, like all the time we're changing the uh, that. Uh, you know, that presentation file. So, you know, I could write a script that, uh, you know, just plug in a USB key and it just runs from there. Hmm. That, that would be rather simple and easy to do. Well, I'm not exactly sure how the scripting would do, but it sounds rather achievable. Correct. So. That would be a nice gift. Yep. Here you're a uh, database administrator. I am not officially a database administrator, but compared to what I do at work, I might as well be. So can you eh. tell me, can you tell me about the SQL stuff? Yep. There's there's two different communities that I belong to, and they're essentially the same thing. The first is called SQL Path. SQL Path is a, pretty much a repository of knowledge passed from SQL developers and such to other people. It's completely free to join in, and if you've been like a member for I think it's like three months, then you're eligible to vote hmm. on like board directors and stuff like that. 
It's a completely nonprofit organization. Now, SQL Pass hosts something called SQL Saturday. SQL Saturday happens around the nation, and it's people teaching classes about SQL and other various aspects. Uh, looks like it's also international. Ah, it probably is. Would not surprise me. So I'm they looking- had they they had one in Louisville some time ago. Yeah, so I'm looking at these local past chapters, and let's see, Albanian group, Algerian group, Adelaide group. Philippine, so, Portugal, yeah. Belgian, Johannesburg. So, mm. yeah. So is this, uh, is this just Microsoft SQL Server? Um, typically, but they, they also talk about, um, new .NET stuff coming out, business stuff, um, interacting with your community on a business level and an IT professional level. It's it's really, really good. And you can actually go and view all the historical data also. Hmm. So, so do they ever talk about things like Postgres? Um, I can't say I have ever heard of of it, but it would not it, it wouldn't surprise me if they had not. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to the next one that comes around. And Philadelphia, there is one going to be in Philadelphia soon. Hmm. June the 1st. So, see, unfortunately, Phil, you know, while I am in the same state uh, as Philadelphia, it's kind of on the other side and Pennsylvania is a a really big place. (laughs) Okay, it's Pennsylvania I'm looking for, not Philadelphia. Eh, close enough. (laughs) (laughs) And and they are having another one in Louisville in July 13th. Well, there's one in Columbus in June. Correct. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. So if you want to come down... And go to it for the Saturday. You're more than welcome to. Uh, anyways, um, let's see. I guess you'll. Do you remember that one computer that uh, was falling apart that I uh, fixed up? Um, the one from Steven, the science guy. I think so. The one that wouldn't boot. Yeah. So, because they have an operating system? <laughs> well, I guess, or something. I think it might have been because it was using a PCI video card. And uh, I think as soon as I put an AGP card in there, it was fine. Um, Could be. But, yeah, I think that PCI card was, like, from 95. <laughs> so I don't <laughs> I don't exactly blame it for not working. Um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, let's see, I'm trying to think back. So... When I had uh, replaced my desktop parts in an effort to fix my video problems, I switched uh, that part for uh, my uh, server. So my old desktop parts became my server. And my former server, I decided to, you know, like, fix up a little bit and give to mom. Uh, Mm. But beforehand, I wanted to, you you know, fix it up a little bit, you know. 
you know, spruce it up a bit, you know, throw in a new heat sink. Um, so, and like blow all the dust out of it and write the hard drives over with extremely random data, you know, <laughs> you know, nuke it from orbit and stuff. So, uh, uh, did that. And, uh, so, uh, I had purchased a heat sink, uh, I think probably while I was back in college, um, you know, Heat sink, well, you know, it was, uh, I believe it was the stock heat sink. So, you know, stock heat sinks, sometimes they don't do too well. Correct. And especially because this was a server supposed to be on all the time. I wanted it to be reliable. Um, so uh, I was finally like, well, I have this thing lying around. It won't be any useful for anything else. So I decided to, you know, put it in there. So there I am, you know. You know, I got the heat sink. I, you know, need to pull it out. So, you know, I unhook the latch and I start pulling on the heat sink. And, you know, I'm sort of jiggling around, but it's not coming out. And, you know, that one point, uh, past which you know you're going to break something? Yep. Um, I was way past that point, but, there's no other way to pull a heatsink off than to actually pull the heatsink off. You know, it's unlatched. I, like, triple checked. You know, this thing is really on here. So, I go past that point, and I keep pulling, and finally it pops out. And there is no CPU in the socket. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh crap, where is the CPU? Because I didn't hear it like fly across the room. So I was like, has this computer been running on air this entire time? <laughs> then I'm like, and? Look at the heat sink in your other hand. <laughs> the heat sink was super glued onto the CPU. Because wow. the thermal material must have created such a vacuum that it didn't let go. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh crap, did it like pull out any pins? Thank, <laughs> thank goodness it didn't. But yeah, so I had to, you know, set it down and like get a screwdriver and wedge it in between the heat spreader and the heat sink. And it finally popped off. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> apparently, like, thermal grease is super glue if you haven't, like, pulled your heat sink out in, like, several years. Huh. Well, I'll keep that in mind when I try if I ever replace my heat sink. Yeah, um, I believe that's, that happened, uh, with my desktop as well at some point. I need to take the heat sink off for some reason but yeah uh it can cause uh rather high suction so hmm. interesting yeah i think i think maybe one pin was slightly bent but you know all you really need to do is take a mechanical pencil and lovingly you know c correct it so, so you unlatched the heat sink, but you left the CPU latched in. Uh, well, yeah, I guess since uh, you can't really get to the socket 
unlock arm when it's uh, underneath the heat sink. That, so that is the true point. So yeah, the suction was so great that pulling the heat sink off pulled the CPU uh, underneath of it. You know, and like I actually had to you know click the CPU arm up in order to put the thing back in there. Huh. I'm surprised you got it out. Yeah, especially since, like, <laughs> pins are, like, rather fragile things. Correct. So, and, uh, that's one of the reasons why Intel decided to go with their LGA sockets and put the, uh, pins on the motherboard instead of the CPU. Uh, because, like, especially on the high end, would you rather want to replace a $1,000 CPU because a pin is meant? Or a $200 motherboard because a pin is bent. $200 motherboard? Yep. But I, th- I think they should just be able to pull out the pins and put a new pin back in. Well, at the factory, I suppose they could, but uh, I guess at that point you're kind of screwed if you want to, uh, if it comes that far. <laughs> so. True. sent some stuff in. Yes, um, he did. So, uh, he says that, uh, especially with the uh, cell phone calculator comment, that he says he mostly uses Wolfram Alpha uh, for his calculator. Wolfram Alpha? Yeah. So, apparently it's like a miracle science and math engine. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Into what you want to calculate or know about. So, yeah, the, uh, I remember that coming out while we were in college. So, uh, anyways, he says, uh, congrats on the new co-host, so congratulations, Chris. So, and, uh, uh, let's see, you had mentioned that the, you know, a way to leave your resume at the CIA is to break in and leave it. Uh, that doesn't really sound like a good idea, and, uh, Ryan, uh, kind of agrees that it's not a good idea. Hmm. So. Well, I am personally not going to do it. I always suggested my brother to do it, and so I can see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then, uh, you know, Crazy France with its data collection taxes, uh, he has, uh, you know, he also points out the other myriad of ways that data is collected, not just through analytics, but, you know, if you have a form on your website and you ask for emails, names, zip codes, even time zones. Mm-hmm. So. And I believe you had said Helvetic instead of Helvetica. Um, and Ryan says that he likes fonts. And, uh, um... Pretty much all I gotta say is get used to it. Uh, Chris is made of defective hardware. Um, like, especially his I.O. unit. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, you had mentioned that you're deaf. Um, like, you're 
totally deaf in one ear and half in the other. Correct. So, I think I s- think you said at one point, like when you were born, there was like a hole in your heart or something. There was a hole in my heart when I was born. So, and yeah. and also when I was born, I could not move my thumb. Interesting. So. Yep. Yeah, Chris is full of defective hardware like that. Yep, but at least I got a good brain, more or less. Well, aside from that I.O. unit. Yep. So, hmm. I wonder if you would be okay with everyone calling you I.O. unit. Eh, I could get used to it. So. At least it's unique. It is. At least they're not calling me Helvetica. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I, I, uh... This just the past week, I was wondering where that name had came from. And apparently it's what the Romans called Switzerland. And, uh, like, if you, uh, like, uh, the ISO uh, codes in, like, the top-level domains on the Internet, uh, like, the one for Switzerland is CH. And I'm wondering where in the world that came from. Uh, apparently, uh, like... The, uh, one of the names for Switzerland, like in Latin, is like Confederatio Helvetica. So thus, okay. C, thus CH. Huh. Uh, and it sort of makes sense since, uh, like a Swiss design firm came up with Helvetica, and it's kind of like the hallmark of, uh, Swiss design. So. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh,. Let's see, I think he think Ryan had a bone to pick about uh, x86 and 64-bit and 4 gigs of RAM. Um, so, uh, the, I think the clarification here is Microsoft uses x64 for the 64-bit version of x86. Because, um, like, the, you know, x86 just by itself, you know, is 32-bit and can only go up to 4 gigs of RAM. So, and, uh, especially, uh, and then now with, uh, the next Xbox and the next PlayStation, uh, it's very surprising that these would be, like, the first major, uh, consumer electronics that have an x86-derived CPU inside of them. Uh, you know, mostly they're, like, PowerPC chips, um, or, uh, I think MIPS, even, and, you know, cell phones mostly have ARM chips inside of them. So it's very interesting how x86 is now taking over the world. Hmm. Yes, it is. So, and uh, uh, Ryan uh, uh, reports that the new show is not like the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> so, and... Uh, Let's see, says uh, something about, uh, like, the 64-bit uh, Waterfox. He says that he needs Flash in my real life, and he does not run NoScript. Um, well, I run NoScript in the 64-bitness, and uh, there are 64-bit uh, uh, Flash plugins, and, uh, of course, Java plugin as well. So, And he also liked the ending music. So, thank you. Uh... You can also find uh, the link to that. I think it's uh, Anatech uh, did that. Hmm. Do, do, do you want to add it into the document? 
like which specific one? Um, the ending music. Uh, I always put it in the show notes on the podcast page. Okay. So, like, if you go to the podcast page, there will be links, and then underneath of that, there will be music. Hmm. So that's where I put all of them. And uh, so also, I had a uh, an email from Eric Schmidt, uh, or at least a troll posing as Eric Schmidt. Um. Uh, mostly saying that you know the content of the podcast is fine, but the album art sucks. Well, I got news for you. Album art is not our core competency. Uh, supposedly, podcasting is. Um, so, I mean, no one's really forcing you to look at the thing like throughout the entire podcast. <laughs> and but if you do anyway, you have serious issues. <laughs> oh no! I I I thought I thought this podcast was just for background noise. Well, to some people, I guess it could be. Huh? Or background noise to the album art. Yes. <laughs> and let uh, me let me guess. That's what you do. Oh no no! <laughs> I, I I I I play Minecraft or something while listening to the podcast. So, um, yeah, but I think, uh, the album art looks pretty good. Um, like, especially in, like, when it's right next to the new show's album art. Um, like, uh, it's called Psy Snap or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks really, really good. Yeah, like, especially the black edge. Like, it, if... Every podcast on the network had a had black edges uh, on their album art. It would look really sweet on the villain. Correct. It we would have a sweet looking villain, an awesome villain. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, um, Snap is the Big Bang Theory show, right? Uh, well. It's the one that you referred to. Yes. And I'm just doing this to tick Ryan off. <laughs> Although, <laughs> I, I don't think it's his show. It's uh, Squirrel's show. Yep. So, well, it was Ryan who made the comment, so... So, yeah, hey, this pod, that podcast already has a nickname for it. <laughs> and uh, as of now, it is... Not up. So, yes. We can claim that it has a nickname before the first show went up. Yep. So, yeah, be sure to catch the Big Bang show, hopefully sometime this week. Uh-huh. So I'm a little bit upset at my last roommate because he hid all the Big Bang Theory DVDs in one of his containers, and then he's, he's been gone for two months, so... Hmm. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, uh, if you would like to uh, submit some questions, or if, you, or if you would like to be a guest, we would really like to have some guests on the show, um, because quite frankly, we kind of bore ourselves to death a little bit. Yes, we do. So, go ahead and use the contact function on the Nexus uh, website. And don't forget to uh, put in control structure for the show and uh, tell us what you think. 
So, and uh, don't forget, today is International Backup Awareness Day. So go ahead and back up your stuff. Um, and uh, let's see, hi mom, and hi studio guy, and hi whoever trolled us. <laughs> because quite frankly, we don't have any more listeners. <laughs> yep. So back up. So that's the nice thing about the cloud. It's hopefully backed up. It uh, it is a single form of backup. Yes. Or at least every service is a single form of backup. So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully, you know, it's not so interconnected if, uh, you know, Amazon Web Services decides to go down that it doesn't t- bring down Google Drive or SkyDrive with it. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah, when the cloud comes crashing down, it's bad. Though I, though I think if I remember correctly, there was a nursery rhyme about the sky falling. Hmm, probably. Something about a goose and a wolf and eating a bunch of chickens. Well, oh, well. I, I am a wolf and I eat a lot of chicken, so... Yep. Hmm. Not that anyone else needs to care. <laughs> All you have to do is post a picture of you and they'll believe werewolves exist. Well, or go to a beach. You know, you won't see any sharks. Because <laughs> they know a werewolf is in the water. <laughs> so. uh. Anyways, uh, so what's your plan for the week? Um, Finishing up work and then... Sleep. That's video game. Yep. Church. Eat. Normal. Eating, I don't think I had that on my menu this time. Well, yeah, since you just ate your breakfast. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So. Yeah, it's, uh. It's kind of warm, actually, today. And it seems like you might be getting some severe weather. It it, it was pretty warm here, too. So, but then. But then by fr- but then by Friday and Saturday it's supposed to be like ten degrees. Yep, ten degrees and snowing. Yeah. Oh, lovely winter. I love it. Yep. So uh, apparently back in Utah, especially where I lived, it had snowed over a feet of snow this week. Nice. Yep. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess I'll figure out if this hard drive that I'm testing is uh, still okay. So, yep. Uh, so I guess we'll uh, have a good week then. Yep. And I'll see you all later. Alright, bye. Bye.
Squirrel, the podcast is now over. You may proceed to turn off your computer. <laughs> it is now safe to turn off your podcast. <laughs>